0: And I went back, and I was oh my gosh, I'm part of a cult. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody here knows what they're doing. <laughs> and then we're just speaking, and nobody
1: knows what we're saying. Love begins at home. Love begins at home. Your mamas and your papas and your brothers and your sisters your neighbors too, love begins at home. Hello everyone and welcome back to our podcast, Love Begins at Home. Um, today we have a very special guest. We have Father Jason with us, to the, uh, accompanying Woo! the usual three. All right. So uh, we're <laughs> really <only> me <laughs> excited to have him here with us. He He's on his day off today, so it's really really special that he's here with us. Yeah,
2: he took time to be with us. Yeah, Yeah, happy
1: to be here with y'all, excited to talk about our topic. Yes, and our topic today is the importance of Mass, especially as it pertains to the family life. So, um, But before we begin, we always start with a prayer. So wherever you are, please pray with us, and if you have a hat on, please take it off. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time as we've once again been able to gather to discuss our faith and Hopefully to bring fruit out of our conversations, um, Lord, we ask that you reveal to us um, through our dialogue how important it is that uh, that the mass is in our life, and how we can engage in it more deeply and um, grow in our faith as we participate it as family. And all these things we pray in your name, Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. 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 So first off, um, let's. Father Jason, can you tell us a little bit about yourself since a lot of the people may not know you uh, as personally as some of us here at the parish? But just give a little background um, how long you've been a priest, um, and maybe some things you enjoy about the Catholic faith and some hobbies you like. I don't know. Just tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Sure. So I'm new here to Immaculate Conception in Denton, and I was ordained a priest for the Diocese of Fort Worth back in May. And So this is my first assignment as a priest. Um, I grew up in Keller, uh, Texas, just south of Denton, and entered seminary right out of high school um, and studied at the University of Dallas, uh, St. Joseph Seminary in Louisiana, and then Catholic University up in D.C. And one of my favorite things about uh, being a priest, obviously, is celebrating the Mass, uh, but more specifically within that, Uh, really being able to offer this prayer up um, for our parishioners here at ICC and particular intentions uh, when they request that a Mass be said for either a deceased loved one or some special intention they have, Uh, but really being able to use that as a means uh, not just in communion with our uh, reception of the sacrament of communion together, uh, but praying as a church uh, together and offering that sacrifice for one another.
1: Really good, really good, amazing, amazing. Um, and some hobbies that you like to do, Father, on your day off, typically? Sure. When you're so, not recording, podcasts. definitely not
2: recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Until
3: I found out, I was recording a podcast yesterday. Uh, my, <laughs> <laughs> my plan for today was to uh, work in the garage at the rectory. I recently moved in um, some tools to do some woodworking, and so today, little um, um, Joseph, we have. Yeah. Uh, today I was supposed to be setting that up and getting ready to start making some stuff.
0: Or ruined it by asking to be on this podcast. <laughs> he, he did, yes. And so this
3: is uh, my cross that I'm offering up today. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, I think it'll be good. <laughs> so, what do you make? Is um, it something new, or is uh... I've done it periodically throughout seminary. Um, usually, when not at the seminary itself, but home here in Fort Worth, where all my stuff is. And so I made um, some small uh, decorative pieces, some furniture. Um, and yeah, I'd like to get more into that now that I'm here at a rectory for, with a garage for longer than
1: what I normally am with mm-hmm. uh, summer assignments. Well, that's neat. It's a cool hobby to take up because mm-hmm. we could all be a little bit more like Joseph mm-hmm. around here. It is all the right. year St. Joseph. Yeah, it is. Well, it Can just we... ended. Oh, I guess it's true. Yeah, it just came
3: to an <laughs> end. sorry, it. Father. <laughs> you cannot do more uh, working okay. anymore. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> it's overrated. <laughs> yeah,
1: packing, packing it all up. <laughs> All right, so getting back on topic today, we are talking about the importance of Mass, and so before we get to how important that is, we need to identify what the Mass actually is, and for y'all who are uh, listening to this, you know, you probably have some pretty good idea of what Mass is. Hopefully, all of you listeners out there are going to Mass every Sunday and on the Holy Days of Obligation, Um, but maybe some of you honestly don't really know what's going on in the Mass. Um... It's something that you've just done all your life and you really have no, maybe just a surface level of understanding of what's going on. So uh, today we're hopefully going to be able to help you all understand a little bit more in depth of what the Mass entails and why it's so important that we participate and attend. So let's have a little bit of a discussion on what is the Mass? So maybe Bible Brad or... Jorjito over there can help us out. But obviously, Father Jason knows everything about this subject. So I think he's going to sit back a little bit and see what we have to say before he uh, corrects us. <laughs> we being what
0: we're, already. Yeah, what we yes. say
2: that's incorrect.
0: Take it away, Jorge. <laughs>
2: oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, what is a mess? Well, what is a mess? I'm just joking. So uh, I think it's... Oh, man, I'm being tested. (laughs) I'm going to fail. I think it's the sacrifice of Jesus that we offer to God, um, the Father, through Jesus Christ in order for our salvation yes <laughs> it's, such a,
0: it's such a complicated topic yeah <laughs> it, 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 there's so much that goes into it on, I don't know if you can really put it, put it in, in part one of it, yeah. yeah one sentence or even one paragraph I mean we, we'd sit here for hours mm-hmm. just
2: I mean for, you know let me let me explain it to you the way one priest uh, once explained it to me so we as humans we are not worthy to worship God by ourselves you know we are imperfect but we have a brother which which is Jesus which is perfect in, in, you know, he's perfect and he's a perfect offering to God, you know? So we, um, I don't know. I don't want to say use, but we, through Jesus Christ, we worship God, the father, and that's a perfect way to worship him through Jesus Christ, through his, um, I guess. Uh, his sacrifice on the cross. Yeah. To, yeah. Through the sacrifice, sacrifice of God, of Jesus uh, on the bread and wine, mm-hmm. I guess that's that's how I, uh, this priest explained it to me. Yeah. Well. If I'm wrong, Father Lado, it's on you. <laughs> <laughs> <I> no, not <don't> know. <laughs> but yeah, that, that I mean that's kind of like my idea or like the idea that I grew up with. Okay. Bible bread.
0: Well, I mean, sacrifice is a big part of it, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the whole mass is uh, offering a sacrifice because it's an offering of love, and we've mentioned before that. Love requires sacrifice, and it is our love of Jesus Christ that we go and uh, sacrifice there. But also, it's Jesus as our high priest sacrificing himself. And there's kind of a misconception mm-hmm. that through the Eucharist, you know, we are re crucifying Jesus every time. But it, I heard recently uh, through uh, something on uh, formed, I think it was the search or something like that. Christopher was talking to this priest and he was talking about, you know, <clears throat> he doesn't like the word representation re-pre- uh, mm-hmm. of the mass or Jesus, like <clears throat> being represented in his passion at mass, but rather it's a perpetuation of, like so that there's only one mass and that mass is Jesus on the cross and offering himself up for us. But since God is outside of time, you know, it doesn't, uh, there's no concept of time in God because he is present in the past, present, and future in every moment. So every time that the Mass is said, it kind of goes beyond all of space and time, you know, mm-hmm. not to get too uh, sci fi on us here, but that every time that the Mass is said, it's really just being said once. And so it's not that we're re-crucifying Jesus every time, but Jesus as the high priest, that one mediator, is also taking our sacrifice that we bring and joining it with his sacrifice and offering it up to, to God the Father. So there's very much a, uh, a horizontal worship as a community of one body in Christ, but also a vertical worship of um, Jesus to the Father and us with Jesus to the Father. So it's uh, sacrificing, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big part of that. And it's just... You find it all throughout Scripture. It, kind of the whole climax of the narrative comes at Jesus' passion and the Last Supper, and everything before that is foreshadowing that, and it, it takes several hundred years to get to that point, but uh, you know, we'd be here all day if we mm-hmm. went to all, scripturally through all that. But
1: Right, and as we discussed a little bit in detail last time on our previous podcast episode, um, we talked about the early early church and traditions that we have and how, um, you know, they would gather and they would celebrate the Eucharistic meal and they would read from the, the scriptures of the time, so the Psalms and all of that as they came together. Um, and that looks a lot like what we do today um, in the Mass that we uh, attend. And so... Where does that stem from exactly? Where does the mass stem from? And so we automatically go back to the Old Testament again, and we refer to the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses from God. And so the third commandment is keep holy the Sabbath day. So why don't we talk a little bit more about that into some depth and detail. Um, so what does that all encompass? Maybe, Father Jason, do you have uh, a nugget for us that we could chew on as, a, as it regards to the third commandment.
3: Sure. I think the first step we have to take in order to understand this commandment uh, is to go back and look at God's own example of practicing uh, the keeping holy of the Sabbath in the very act of creation itself, where oftentimes we think about those first six days of creation being Him doing something active, and then on the seventh day, He's just kind of there passive, not doing anything. But really, when we go back and read uh, the story of creation, it says he rested from the work of creation, but he sanctified the seventh day and made it holy. And so it's not merely a lack of activity resting on the Sabbath, but it's a rest in a way in which we are stepping back from really what is our mundane activity of our careers or whatever else it may be, which are necessary, but... Uh, recognizing that deeper sense of activity and participation with God, and making this day holy um, for ourselves, and joining ourselves to God's own activity of sanctifying the Sabbath day.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I um, I heard a joke by Mark Hart once, and it was it's kind of tongue in cheek, but he was giving a. A presentation to the youth ministers at the Diocese of Fort Worth, and he was kind of talking about the difference between a Catholic Sunday and maybe a Protestant Sunday, and uh, the joke went something like, well, the Protestant <clears throat> minister goes up to the Catholic priest and says, you know, Father, I don't know why you go through all of these things, all these bells and whistles that you've got at your church and all these rituals you go through and say, so like, see, that's that's your problem is, you know, you, you worship God in this way, but we worship God the way we want to. And then the priest turns back and says, yes, and we worship God the way he wants us to. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like I said, it's it's tongue in cheek, but there's a lot of truth to that is the Bible clearly lays out how God wants us to worship him. And it accumulates in the mass through the keeping of the Sabbath, but also just the priesthood, how he sets that up, uh, sacrifice, how that's set up. And um, constantly in the Old Testament, we see that there is this, I don't know what to, there's a conflict between the Israelites amongst, all right, are we just giving a sacrifice out of worship or are we doing it out of love? Is it out of obligation or is it out of love? And God constantly says, I you know require mercy over sacrifice. And so It's not so much that a sacrifice is a bad thing, what he's saying there, but he's saying that in order for it to be a sacrifice, it has to cost something. And the good and first example of that is the story of Cain and Abel, Mm. where Cain and Abel both offer up uh, sacrifices to God. Abel is a farmer and he offers up the first First fruits of his sacrifice, of his Mm. his crop. And then Cain is... um, He herds cattle and sheep and stuff, but what he does is he takes the least of his flock and offers it up to God. But God does not accept Cain's sacrifice because, by definition, it's not a sacrifice. It didn't cost him anything. It was was just the the very bad portion of his flock. Leftovers. Yeah, it was the leftovers. So we we can't be giving God leftovers on Sunday. We have to give Mm -hmm. him our first fruits, like Abel did. And everything narratively in scripture kind of begins to pour out from even that one example in you know, chapter 4 of Genesis.
1: Mm. Well said, Brad. Um, yeah, I, I think for many of us, we are probably in the same um, boat as Cain when it comes to uh, giving of our time. Oh, no doubt. You know, especially um, for the Mass. Um, you know, giving what we have left over instead of preparing ourselves really for what God is actually wanting us to sacrifice uh, which is of our our the best that we have so um, you know you you all out there have you ever thought about well what do I have uh, as is the best of me that I can offer to God this week this Sunday at mass um, and how can we turn that into into that if we're not doing it already um, so for for the next portion of our of our podcast we're going to be talking about the importance of mass and how we can engage um ourselves and how um, we can have our hearts and our minds right to clearly understand the importance of the mass Um, so um a a lot of our our families beautiful families here at this parish and at saint mark's as well you know we y'all are called to bring up your children in the faith You have uh, made a promise to bring them up in the Catholic faith uh, when you're married and and you want to, uh, when you agree to bring children into the world, Um, and that's an amazing thing. I think for a lot of us parents though, we kind of misconstrue or we maybe misunderstand what that entirely means. Um, And I feel like maybe we have lost the importance or the understanding of that the Mass is the most essential part in life of our being as Catholics, um, to to weekly come to Mass, to set that as a priority. And so how do we kind of come back to that and understand, firstly, the importance of the Mass itself outside of even um, receiving other sacraments? Of course, you know, baptism, uh, the sacraments of initiation are essential to us as as Catholics, but... um, We need to understand, though, that without the Mass and without those sacraments that we have, um, we really are kind of just floating around. And we need to understand that coming to the Mass is um, probably the highest thing that we are called to here on the earth. Um, So let's kind of have a a better discussion about that now. What what would y'all say as how we can recognize, if we don't know now, that the Mass is essential, that it's of huge importance, and how we can engage or bring that to the forefront of our very lives. What would we do?
0: I think you hit upon it as just that key word, understanding, mm-hmm. and if we don't understand something, then we really can't engage in it. Uh, you know, we all minister to teenagers, and sometimes with in our ministry is a big part of it is helping the teenagers understand what's happening at Mass. Because I remember when I was a teenager, I remember very clearly, I was in mass on a Sunday, and I think it was right after the Nicene Creed or something, and we were all just speaking in unison, and it was like, it is right and just, you know, <laughs> and I went back, and I was, oh my gosh, I'm part of a cult, like, no, <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody here knows what they're doing, <laughs> and then we're just speaking, and nobody knows what we're saying, but... The Because I didn't understand. I didn't understand why we were saying what we were saying in Mass. I was speaking and participating with my lips, but I wasn't participating with my heart because I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. And I also kind of saw the rest of the parish. It just, people weren't very vibrant, and it kind of showed me that I didn't know if they quite understood. And so it was almost kind of mindless as people were engaging in the mass. And the more that I learned about the mass and understood what it was, the more real it came to me and the more I was able to actively participate in it. And so understanding what's going on is is very, very key because we kind of get in this rut of cultural Catholicism. We, we just do something because that's what our parents did or we know this is good, but we don't know why it's good. So we're just gonna continue to do it and if somebody tries to fight us on it, we'd say, I don't know, that's what we've always done. I'm not changing, I'm, I'm doing it. So there's something to be said for that, that we recognize that this is a good thing, but understanding why it's a good thing helps us so much more.
3: Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes, Father. Yeah, and I think with this point of understanding, that Gallup poll came out a few years ago and saying that you know, two thirds of Catholics don't believe in the real presence. Um, about two thirds of Catholics don't go to Mass regularly, and then also recently two-thirds of Catholics uh, don't think the Church should have the rules that we do regarding who can go to communion. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this number is the same for all three of those um, questions. But yeah, if we don't understand that Jesus truly is present in the Eucharist and that the Mass is how He truly desires to be worshipped, then of course those other things are going to be irrelevant or just not in our consciousness. And so I think, uh, to Brad's point, that we really need to come to a deeper understanding and appreciation of what the Mass is. Otherwise, it's just us kind of playing charades and doing funny things with bread and wine.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think the, the central key to understanding is just the very, it's simple to say, but sometimes harder to grasp, is that God loves us unconditionally. That if, if we don't understand that or believe that, and it's really hard to make sense out of anything else, especially anything that goes on at the Mass. So if if we can be open to God's great love for us and and know truly that there's nothing too big for Him to handle, there's nothing too small in our lives for Him to notice, and He loves us perfectly the way we are. We can't do anything uh, to push Him away, and we can't do anything to draw Him closer. I mean, He's He just loves us. Mm-hmm so much as we are, and I think sometimes we can get caught up in feeling, well, I'm not doing enough as a Catholic, or um, I have to do these things so that God can can love me, so I can earn God's love, but we, we can't earn God's love, and the Mass is proof of that, that, that He comes to us in such a humble form in the Eucharist, and as Father said, that is, that is a key belief in our faith, and if we miss that, then nothing else is going to make sense.
2: Correct. For me... <clears throat> Uh, one th- at least one way that I do kind of like appreciate the mess, even when I like don't fully understand like every sign or everything that is happening and where does it come from. You know, one thing that helps me out, and I mean, it's a, an advice for everyone, is to not only pay attention to the readings, but to the prayers that are being said. And for example, Father Jason, I, I noticed that for the past months you've been saying this eucharistic prayer that is that says uh this spotless victim this uh what is it
3: this holy victim the spotless victim this unblemished something yeah <laughs> but <laughs> anyways it's
2: it's a different eucharistic prayer that the that we are the one that we are used to you know and one thing that i love to do is that even i don't understand like what it does mean to be spotless or you know, those kind of things. I just, I just try to find a meaning, you know, how, how I am in Ignatian and, you know, kind of like contemplative and try to find like a, um, a message for my life or something. So that's, that's, it applies, um, the same for, for the prayers, you know, I listen and, and I try just to make in my own prayer, like the way father is saying it, it's like, okay, yeah, it's, um, it's writing just to give you things. And I'm like, yes, it's, it is truly writing just and give you things, Father. You know, I kind of like just, I guess, paraphrase. Uh, how do you say? Paraphrase? Paraphrase? Paraphrase. Paraphrase. Yeah. But, you know, on my own life and, and kind of like pay attention to those words on, on, on the prayers or whatever Father is saying. That helps me out uh, more to engage more in the, in the mass. Um, again, even when I don't understand like the background or like what is behind the mask and where does it come from? Or why are we like, for example, why father is doing something with their hands or why is he lifting in his, his hands or, you know, I don't know. But just by listening to those words and uh, using it like as mine, it helps me to engage.
1: Awesome, thanks for that sharing, Jorge. Um, so, generally speaking, within the context of the Mass, we can kind of point, um, I, guess, I don't want to call them steps, but just the process of what a Mass looks like. So, for those of y'all that aren't Catholic and maybe you're listening to this, maybe you're y'all are really brave. lost right now. Yeah, like, I, don't like, know uh, I don't know what the Mass is. Like, I'm I'm Protestant, and I, I, I hear a lot of Scripture, which is amazing. That's part of the Mass, too. So, let's kind of break <laughs> it down a little bit. So, we gather as community. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, there's an opening hymn. Of praise, and then we we come together to uh, well. There's mercy at the beginning, right? We're we're forgiven through the uh,
0: well confidior the confidior, right?
1: There's there's that uh, awareness of us being uh, that we're fallen and that we need to come before the Lord to receive His mercy. Um, I
2: I want to say something because (laughs) I don't know way too much like you or Bible Brad or Father Jason, but I do know one thing. So. And, and this kind of like a quiz for everyone. Do you know which is the only part of the mass that is not in Latin? You know, like for example, the mass is being said in Latin, but even on the traditional mass that it's being said in Latin, there's only one part that is not in Latin. Do you know what is it? I know. Oh yeah, you know, of course. <laughs> the Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Is yeah, that yeah.
0: Greek. Greek? Yes, yeah.
2: it's Greek. Okay, that that was my only fact. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just for it's people great. that are like, what is Kira Is that Latin? Is that, so
1: in English, that means that translates to Lord have mercy, Lord have Christ him. have mercy, yeah. Lord have mercy. Yeah. Um, but then we come to hear the scriptures, right? And we hear from the Old Testament, we hear from the Psalms, we usually hear from a New Testament reading, whether it be Acts of the Apostles, um, some other books from there. <laughs> and then we hear the gospel, right? Mm. And so... We're also brought into this love story that God has revealed Himself through the Scriptures for us. So that's another point of the Mass, and then and that's referred to as the Liturgy of the Word, right? And then we prepare ourselves, as we were talking about the sacrificial part of our lives for the Mass. We bring ourselves for uh, to offer of ourselves. Um, That's usually a time when we're uh, preparing for the Offertory, where we after the priest gives us a homily or um, just uh, something we can connect with uh, to help our lives with the teachings of Christ. Can I stop uh, you just
0: right ahead there? Go ahead. Because you, you mentioned the offertory. And this was something that I didn't learn about yeah. the Mass until I was actually a youth minister, is what, oh. the, what the offertory is for. Okay. And, you know, the, the offertory is the part where we pass around the baskets to put money in. This is not the purpose of <laughs> the offertory. It's not just for the church to collect money. This is actually when uh, you hinted at it, Ben, is bringing our sacrifice to God. And this is where we lay our sacrifice on the altar, because the next thing that is said at Mass is the priest who says, pray, brothers and sisters, that my Christ sacrifice Christ and, and yours, yours may be presentable to God, the Almighty Father. And then we say in turn, may the Lord present the sacri- accept I the accept sacrifice the at your hands for the praise and, praise and glory of his name, name, for our good and, and the good of, of all his church. holy church. I mean, it, 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 I think that is just kind of the, the essence of the purpose of Mass right there. Uh,
2: so question, Father, is that offertory prayer is specifically about our prayers, the, the ones that we are offering ourselves, or about the wine and the bread that is being, that, remember, like you... you That's a consecrate. Yeah, because I, I know you say some prayers on the offertory. So the offertory is more about the prayers of, for like, our prayers, or the bread and wine that is being offered and that is going to be uh, consecrated?
3: It's the uh, Catholic both-hand and so because <laughs> and, yeah, in classic. the celebration of the mass, we're joining in Christ's sacrifice of him of his whole self and we're doing that by offering our whole selves as well. And so that includes our prayers and anything that we're bringing to the Lord uh, through prayer, as well as um, our physical selves, by our presence, by our participation in uh, saying the prayers of the mass and then also our reality as part of and head of creation. And the offering of the bread and wine is symbolic of that. And so when we are coming to the altar to present ourselves, uh, we're presenting our whole person. And that includes both the prayers in which we say out loud together as a community, the prayers which we offer in the silence of our hearts, as well as our physical selves and our possessions represented by that bread and wine.
2: Yeah, because the the prayers that you said, uh, whenever you are offering the bread and wine, aren't those come from the Jewish uh, prayers? Whenever they bless the wine, blessed be God, King of the universe for these, you know, are kind of like the same, right? So uh,
3: historically, when we look at how the mass came to be, and we can compare it to some of the Old Testament uh, Hebrew traditions of sacrifice, and obviously, the Passover is very prevalent in our own sacrifice of the mass, um, of Christ's own sacrifice of the mass and our sharing in it. And then also, as you mentioned, um, there are some later texts from the Jewish tradition that are after the Old Testament, and so they're not included in our canon of the Bible and our list of the books of the Old Testament. Um, But there are examples of prayers that they offer uh, that look very similar to, as you mentioned, the prayers that are said over the bread and wine. And we can look to the Talmud and uh, some other texts that are Written around the same time as the new text, New Testament texts, and we can see um, the uh, parallels between
1: our liturgy and the Hebrew liturgy. Yeah, so again, that, that touches on the richness of our traditions that we have. It, it even goes back to our uh, Hebrew Jewish roots that we have um, uh, from from that time. So, but then we're talking about now. We're, we're more getting into the liturgy now of the Eucharist. Which is probably uh, well. It's the I would I would think it's the highest point of the mass. So we're coming together for a meal, a communal meal, but it's not just any regular meal. We are now about to uh, partake in and receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus through the Eucharist, and so um, you know. In our next episode, we'll be talking about, well, how do we prepare ourselves uh, for this very for this very thing? Um, because we do need to be aware of um, how we've been living our life, whether we need to go to confession before receiving the blessed sacrament, um, and so on and so forth. Um, but that is, I would say, is the highlight of Mass. Um, there's this Matt Moore song called Heaven and Earth, and I we were talking about how the Mass is, is happening, but it's outside of time as well. So, um, you know, it said that the angels in heaven and, and the saints in heaven are also partic- participating in the Mass as we are here on, earth, here on earth, as we are participating in it. They are in heaven participating as well. And I always think of that song, between heaven and earth, you are, you're all I need, you're, you're the love in between. And so I always can imagine that that's pretty true in my my case. I feel like I can resonate with that lyric very well. Um, but after the celebration of uh, the Liturgy of the Eucharist, then we in a sense are just sent forth to share what we've heard, the good news of the gospel. Um, we literally have Christ within us, and we are to be Christ to others as we enter into our work week, our school week, um, at, our, at home with our families. So that's a lot to kind of to wrap up in one nutshell of what the Mass is, and that's just a very general sense of everything. I mean, there's so much more that goes into it, so many more details about the prayers we say, um, why we kneel, why we stand, why we uh, sing hymns, all these different things. So... Um, It's a beautiful sight to behold if you've never been to a Mass. We invite you. We are inviting you people out there who have never been to a Mass. If you're a fallen-away Catholic or you're just not a Catholic at all and you are interested in this sort of thing, come to any of the Masses on the weekend here in Denton uh, at St. Mark's or here at ICC. Um, But as we wrap this first part of the episode up, let's— uh, talk a little bit more about of our uh, personal experiences with Mass. Um, I'm sure you youth out there are like, oh, they're talking about the Mass. I'm so bored at Mass. <laughs> like, why do we have to talk about this? And uh, you know what? We were probably in the same boat as you were um, kids when we were growing up. Most too, definitely.
0: So. You just sit there and like, oh my gosh. It's the same thing. Every Sunday, we do the same thing. And it can be really hard, especially here in the Bible Belt in Texas. We all have friends, very good friends, that are... Protestant and we go to their services and they're very lively, they're up and they're clapping, and they're, you know, you, you're go you're diving deep into the text and it it kind of fills you up and say, Wow, this is really good. I, I walked away with knowledge, I feel very connected. But again, as you learn more about the Mass, at least this was my experience, I can't go to a Protestant service anymore. I I feel kind of cheated because the the, the Eucharist isn't there, it's just it's just empty. And, uh, you know, not to knock the the Protestants or anything like that. It's just been my experience that the more that I engage in the Mass, that I, I have to have the Eucharist. I have to have it. And because I I want it, I desire it, and nothing else will satisfy me. But as a teenager, yeah, I didn't understand what was going on. I, I was just, all right, let's just, you know, I remember uh, we would always go first thing in the morning. And I thought that was great. It's like, Good. I I don't mind getting up at six thirty. We'll go to mass. We'll get it out of the way, and I can do whatever I want. (laughs) Get out of the way. (laughs) That's how I thought about it. And
1: I think that's how a lot of us. Yeah, it was just this is something I
0: have to do on Sunday. Check. You know, uh, yeah, exactly. Check check the box. I put my time in. Punch my card, and then I can do whatever.
1: (laughs) Cain, Cain, (laughs) Cain.
0: I I do whatever (laughs) I want on 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 Sunday. Then I started learning more about the mass and. The more I learned about it, the more I thought, wow, this is great. Now I want to go to mass first thing on Sunday so I can start my day off with the mass. And so when I was, when I was in college, the only mass that was on campus at TCU was like 4 or 5 p.m. And that was, that was a rough four years because I just waited all day to to go to mass and it was hard especially because i'm in the middle of doing other things i think i was working at um the baseball fields in the spring and so i'd have to run from the baseball field after a game shower and then run back over to campus and it was just it it was weird because uh i just felt empty or not fully complete on sundays until i went to mass but I did. I found it so boring uh, as, a, as a kid. <laughs> it was just I remember, I even remember as, as a little kid, you know, a little, little kid, you got the goldfish or the Cheerios in the pews, and you're like crawling around on the pews. Trying and, to find them? You're trying to find them. <laughs> Anything. Or, or, that you know, I remember it was great. It was like, oh, good, they're standing. So when my parents would stand, I would lay down on the pew and try to take a nap. <laughs> 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 That's, that, and then I'd always be checking my dad's watch because I mm-hmm. knew it was an hour. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know how to tell time, but I knew that the big hand had to go one, Revolution, and so I would constantly look. I was like, "Okay, there's mm. like this much time left. There's this much time left." Well,
2: except for Vigil Saturday.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, we didn't. We didn't do that. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I specifically remember growing up and uh, sort of the same feeling. You know, ah, I got it. It's just something we do. We're going, and didn't fully grasp what was going on before me. um I do remember. I have a twin sister, and we, um, you know when I was younger that that tradition of holding hands during the our father was very common commonplace at the time and um, so I remember, I remember specifically like we had had a like a, a little argument at home or a fight or something. And so, you know, as the, our father was coming up, we're holding hands and we're praying this prayer and I'm like, squeezing. My hands <laughs> so hard, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get you right now. And then you'd squeeze it back. And blah, blah, blah. Like, and you're oh, going this. to the peace be with yeah, you. Like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like just those little things I remember in my childhood. Um, pretty funny, but at the same time, no place for it <laughs> in the mass. But I'm sure some of y'all can relate out there as, as, uh, you maybe experienced the same thing, or hey, do you have any memories of what mass was like for you when you were growing up?
2: Well, <laughs>
1: I have. <laughs> gonna be good.
2: As always, <laughs> as always, I have stories, and okay, so I with my family, we get into this tradition of going to mass every Sunday at 10 a.m., and that was the mass for children. But there's something in Mexico that the liturgy is not well. Or should I say it? Uh, not respected or like followed, like the way it is here in, in, in the US. So in, in Mexico, you know, maybe it's because there's uh, less formation or something. Uh, people tend to do things that do not belong in the liturgy. to the liturgy. Like, for example, on this Mass for children or Misa para Niños, it was a, a Mass specific, specifically to the children. You know, so all the parents will bring their children. And in during the homily time, instead of giving a homily, uh, there will be kind of like a skit, you know? <laughs>
0: oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, like a theater or something? A play. A play, you know? So some <laughs> someone will dress as, as Bible or or someone at Jesus my, my dad was actually for many years Jesus <laughs> so many people <laughs> still many people like today they're like on their 20s they see him and they they say like oh look at Jesus <laughs> because my dad represented Jesus for a long mm-hmm. long time you know but that was part of the mess you know that that was the way I, I grew up going to mass to this very uh, childish mass I guess uh, we're, you know, on the homily, we have the, this, uh, skid and well, very orthodox. it's funny and, you know, they make jokes and they kind of like teach, teach you the gospel, but in more towards the children and also the songs, instead of being like very traditional songs or something, they were like more childish songs too, you know, um, more rhythmic and, and also will be like, um, uh, like ushers. But on the front, they will be kind of like directing the hand motions of the songs, you know, (laughs) like your heart, Father Abraham had many sons. And you will be kind of like doing all these hand motions. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I grew up going to Mass. It's
0: like VBS Fuse. Yeah. Into (laughs) into (laughs) Mass. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, You know, and and at some point when I was, I guess, like a teenager, 16 or something, I really was tired of that, I guess, uh, format of Mass, you know. So I, I wanted to go to something else. I didn't want to keep singing the same childish songs, but that was my family mass. That was a f- my, my family hour. You know, we always go to the 10 a.m. mass. And after mass, we go for tacos. And then <laughs> after tacos, we go back to the house and take a long nap. And, you know, that was our tradition for Sundays, <laughs> which awesome. I think is great. That's great. I want tacos on but,
0: Sundays.
2: But, you know, uh, so it, it was not until when I was, I guess, on high school or college, when i started going by myself to other um other masses maybe like week on during the week where there's like no music at all no uh skits no nothing in and, and like i was shocked the first time that instead of singing the holy holy we actually just said it or the glory like it's re- uh very rare to not sing the glory you know and in like like saying it it was like wow what is this you know or and then when i came to the us you know here at the church in in the us it's bureaucratic it's it, no 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 bureaucratic <laughs> but it's more traditional you know a lot of more symbols more signs it's like wow this is this is really beautiful you know so it wasn't until when i was on uh, college when i started kind of like uh, getting attached to the mass and and i used like you said you used to go to the Five thirty mass in the afternoon, something like that. Yeah. Well, I used to go to the six thirty mass in the morning because that was the only mass available on on my town uh, uh, back in South Texas. And my first class on college it was kind of like at nine, but I used to wake up like at like five forty five or something in order for me to go to six thirty a.m. mass and you know, (laughs) around a lot of old people. But it was, I mean, it was I was the only young person there in the Mass, but I really enjoy it. And I I still have some memories about the homilies that I heard on those times. And since that, I mean, it just become like my own thing. You know, I, I appropriate myself the Mass. And so now I can go to the 10 a.m. Mass with my parents and I can, let's say- Appreciate it. Appreciate even when it's childish or something. Mm-hmm. But be- I know what it is, the Mass now. And it's not about this kid and it's not about the songs. It's not about super Bible or something, you know, now I understand and I can difference, even if I go to a mass in, maybe like for me, I, I can go to mass in two different languages, Spanish, uh, English, you know, or even if I go to a mass, uh, where I don't understand what is happening or whatever, or even in Latin, I, I can still appreciate because now I know, now I have my personal experience with a mess. And I wanted to share you something from the catechism. <clears throat> I'm, I feel like Bible brat. I, <laughs> I am catechism Jorge. Nah, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Joking. So the catechism of, of the Catholic church on the number 1324 says, the Eucharist is the source of the source and summit of the Christian life. And I learned that phrase when I was uh, in college and that really resonated a lot to, to me, especially when I was in college, because, uh, that was the time that I moved here to the US. So I was living by myself, I was kind of like alone and and like going to church, going to mass, it just made me feel as home, you know? As this universal home. Like even when I don't know the people around, they're my family, you know? And in, in, same like here in Denton, I just moved like five months ago, but I wasn't scared to come uh, because I knew that wherever I was going, that was my home now and God will, was going to be there in the mass and to the community and to the people. And, uh, and so yeah, the Eucharist be, became what it is actually, you know, that the source and the summit to my, my Christian life, my prayer life.
1: That's really cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. Father Jason, did you have any personal experiences <laughs> as you were growing up with the mass? I bet you were just, just came out so holy, weren't yeah. you? <laughs> Uh, not quite, um,
3: <laughs> yeah, growing up uh for very superficially, my favorite thing about the mass when I was a little kid was when I realized that a lot of my friends, their Protestant services, would often go longer than an hour, like an hour and a half or two for some of them, and uh so my favorite thing about our Catholic mass was that we kept it at an hour tight or less um. <laughs> And that that was because, yeah, I didn't really understand what it was we were doing. And it wasn't until uh, around high school when our youth minister at St. Elizabeth and Keller, uh, Gabe Gutierrez, was very good about always tying in catechesis, faith formation, um, to the sacraments, first and foremost, the Eucharist, because as Jorge said, it's the source and summit of our faith. And then also um, starting to altar serve around that same time and learning from the priest uh, why it is He's doing the actions he's doing, why the servers are doing what they're doing, why the people, the assembly and the pews, uh, what their function and role is in the mass as well. And so, yeah, uh, going back to this idea of understanding that without it, it is kind of the mass is kind of meaningless. Mm. Um, And so being able to really
1: understand and appreciate what the mass is uh, was very helpful. Awesome. Shout out to Gabe. I remember that guy. He's awesome. Probably well, doing doing well. I think he's so. in campus ministry now. Yeah, uh-huh. TCU. TCU. Ah, the connections. Yeah, go Horn Frogs. Go, yeah. Go You've you got yeah. your frogs jacket <laughs> I, I on too. right now. I've got it on. Okay. Well, that I think is a wrap for today with our discussion on this first part of why the the mass is so important. Um, so again, we we encourage you families to uh, to really start to prioritize your schedules. As as to making time for the mass in your life, um, if it's not there right now, um, and we um, hope and pray that uh, these discussions are fruitful for you and that you're you're taking some some understanding from this and are able to apply it to your lives. And so, um, before we close, we'll uh, we'll pray. And uh, I wanted to remind you all to to follow the the Instagram page for our for our podcast and also to like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, wherever it's available. Um, and again, we thank uh, Father Jason for making time out of his schedule to be here with us to share his knowledge and wisdom on the beauty of the Mass. And so we will close in prayer. And I, um, Father Jason, would you like to close us out? Of course. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly
3: Father, you have given us the opportunity to participate in the celebration of the Mass through the ministry of your Son and the Church. We ask that you infuse all of our families with a deeper desire, appreciation, and understanding for what it is we participate
2: in. And we ask all of this in your Son's name.
3: Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Father, Father, Son, son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen.
2: Just, just before we leave, uh, I want to say, Ben... Father, can you tell us, please, about the classes that you are doing um, at ICC?
3: Sure. So, last week, we started a series hosted at Immaculate Conception, uh, which I'm leading, and it's intended for uh, us to grow deeper into our faith by reading through the Gospel of John and alternating uh, with that, we'll also be covering the Eucharist. So. Uh, diving deeper into what the sacrament means for us and the celebration of the Mass, as well as an introduction to Catholic morality and ethics, uh, what it means to be a human person, and how we are called to act in accord uh, with that understanding. And so if you'd like more information, you can go to our parish's website, iccdenton.org, and navigate to our Adult Faith Formation page uh, to learn all the details.
2: Does it have any cost or something?
3: It is free to attend um, either in person or virtually through Zoom. At ICC. At Immaculate Conception.
1: And also don't forget we have um, Theology on Tap scheduled for January 31st, which is a Monday evening. Um, And that's something that the adults in our community are invited to as well. So we'll see you next time. Um, you can be sure that we'll be talking about the Mass a little bit more, but it will be on how we can prioritize our lives uh, to to make room for the Mass, also to how to prepare beforehand for the Mass, and um, maybe some tricks on staying focused in Mass and staying attentive. So be sure to be back for that one. We'll see you guys next time. God bless. God bless you. God bless.